Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Have you ever noticed that your days often do not go the way you had planned? Some of you may have already experienced that this morning. Those of you who have little ones and you came out and it may have been the third outfit you had to go through, right? As you came out the door and had to go back in, things happen like that. Um, we, uh, other times, you know, you're, maybe you're in, in a rush, especially you got started a little late and you're running out the door and, and you get in the car and you turn the key and click, click. <laughs> Uh, you know, or, or whatever. You spill your own coffee on yourself. Um, sometimes the things that happen, and we think about this, that unexpected things happen, you know, that we never thought would happen in a day, and sometimes those are really big things. An accident happens, either to us or someone that we, we love. Or a health emergency comes up. Maybe someone passes away. Uh, you go to work and you discover that they're closing your company. I mean, the, the, those big things that happen in days when we, you know, the one part of our plan, we weren't expecting it, but we got up and it happened. And usually we think of those things, when we start thinking of something big happening that I didn't expect, that's usually a bad thing, isn't it? Okay? Well, in our story today, true account from the Word of God, our, uh, the, the man in our story experienced when he got up on a regular day, just like any other day, and something happened in his life that was huge and changed everything. And, um, but for him, it was good. Brought some difficulties, but it was a good thing. And so that is possible. <laughs> Sometimes those big things that happen can be good. Uh, then, let me ask you another question. What if God, we talk about things getting changed on us, but what if God gave you the opportunity today and said to you, you know what? I'm giving you the ability today, the power today to change anything in your life that you want to change. You gotta decide today and, and one thing, you, but you can change it, anything. What would you change? You better change wisely, right? You <laughs> want but what would you change, you know? You can think of things that you might change. It could be health conditions, could be financial situations, could be relationships, uh, could be something physical, but to change something big like that. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that God's probably not gonna give you that ability today. Not a magic ability. But we're going to see in our story today as we look and learn some things from there that there are ways that God has given us that we can bring change into our lives. Good changes, positive changes. And, and at the end of, of the message, we're gonna look at something that I think has the potential to change your life in really, really big ways, exciting ways, ways that could matter for not just a long time in this life, but for eternity. So that is good news for us. So, Let's go into our Bibles now to John chapter nine. And you remember I said we're calling this sermon series Highlight Reels because it just deals with some of these well-known stories 
uh, from the Bible, taking a look at them again and learning some new things from them. John chapter 9, and if you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. We encourage you to pick one up from underneath the chairs in front of you. There should be one there. And follow along. We're going to be on page 1233 to start with and, and go a couple pages from there. Page 1233, John chapter 9. Verse number one. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Now, as I read through the scriptures with all time, all time stopping, I know, okay, but that's because I want us to understand what's going on here. The fact that this says he was blind from birth is really, really significant, and it's gonna, you'll see it's gonna come up later in our story. Um, but um, in Jesus' day, in this time in history, people could have, uh, maybe lose their sight because they had an illness, or they got an infection, or may they lose their sight because of an injury. But it was not unheard of for someone to recover from those things. Uh, you know, maybe some treatments or resting of the eyes or, or whatever, you know, like even the Bible, Luke was a physician, right? So they had their, their medical treatments and things that they would do, and so it was possible that someone could help someone actually get their sight back. And, whether fully restored or partially restored, but that, that could happen. But when someone is born blind, what that's telling us is that something happened in the DNA along the way. Something messed up. The DNA is doing this and this and this, and it's supposed to do this next, but instead it does this. Okay? And, and as a result, something is missing. There's a connection that isn't there. There's a part that isn't structured, right? Whatever. And so the fact that when, when someone was born blind, they were gonna be blind, okay? And so that's an important part of our story here. So Jesus passed by, he sees this man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Oh, man. That's, does that question strike you as like, what? Let me deal with the thing that's easiest to understand first, and that's the reality is that people still think that way today. Not about did the baby sin, but we have this tendency to think if something is gone wrong, that somebody must have done something wrong. Right? And that's the tendency to think that way, and it's, it's not a, a right tendency. We're gonna talk about that in a little while. But in Jesus' day, that was the assumption, okay, because, you know, if this has happened, then someone must have sinned. Someone had to sin. God is punishing somebody here. Is it the parents? Did the parents do something, God? And, and so, I mean, Jesus, and so God is doing this to him? Or did the baby sin? Now, that seems crazy to us. But in their time, there was this thought that somehow or rather the baby in the womb could have somehow or rather sinned in a way that caused his own problem. All right? So they were just opening up and, and talking about how they viewed the world. And that's what's coming out here. Somebody had to have sinned for this bad thing to have happened. And, and you know, we might say we don't do that. But let me ask you, has anything, when something's gone wrong in your life, whether it's just a series of inconvenience or whether it's something really big, have you ever said, what did I do to deserve this? You're thinking the same kind of way, aren't you? 
that th this must be because and we don't always see it right either. So we're not that far removed from them. Verse three, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now, let me tell you what Jesus is not saying here. Jesus is not saying, oh, God made him this way. God made him be born blind. That isn't what he's saying. What he's saying, yes, this man has been born blind. And you know what God wants to do? God wants to work in his life in a way that this man can know the Lord and that God can be seen in him. Now, we automatically think that that's going to require Jesus to heal him, isn't it? But not so. Can someone who is born blind live a life and, and come to know God through that? <laughs> what happened? Jamie's in the back row. Oh, yes. I, <laughs> yes, and I thought about you guys as I was putting the sermon together. <laughs> but yes, they can. And then can God be seen through that? Yes, he can. So he, whether he heals or doesn't heal, God say, uh, Jesus is saying, Look, this thing happened, but I want you to know that God can work through this. God desires to work through this. All right, let's read on. Verse four, I must work, Jesus speaking, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And we'll look at that uh, more later. But he's saying that there's a time coming when we won't be able to do these things anymore. Okay? Verse five, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now, how many of you here right now are going, ooh? <laughs> he spit in the dirt and made mud and rubbed it on the guy's eyes. And we don't see that he says anything to him, he just does it. Verse 7. And he said to him, Jesus said to the man, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. What an amazing thing, huh? This is a guy who was what? Born blind? And he goes and washes the mud out of his eyes and comes back seeing. The Lord has healed him, although it's almost an indirect thing, isn't it? It isn't like he didn't touch him and he's healed. He said, put the mud in his eyes, go wash, and he did, and all of a sudden he can see. All right. What a, what, by the way, what, a, what an experience that must be, not to be able to see and all of a sudden to see. Don't you think that'd be confusing? Boy, I sure didn't think you looked like that. <laughs> all right. Verse eight, therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is not this he who sat and begged? Because I mean, the thing is, he, he's the same person, he looks the same, but, but we know that there's a difference when someone can see or cannot see that that affects what they do with their eyes, doesn't it? And so oftentimes you can look at someone, and, and not always, but oftentimes you can look and tell that someone is blind because of how their eyes look. And now, this is the same guy, but his eyes don't look that way anymore. They're focused. They're seeing. And so they're saying, isn't this the guy? Verse 9, some said, this is he. Others said, nah, he's like him. He said, I am he. It is me. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes opened? 
He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Then they said to him, well, where is he? And he said, I do not know. Because obviously he couldn't see him when he'd left. Doesn't even know what he looks like. All right. So this, this is obviously, it seems like a God thing, doesn't it? You know, that this man born blind can see suddenly. So they decide, let's take him to the religious leaders because this is obviously a God thing. Verse 13, they brought him formerly, him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Now, when we're reading in the New Testament and Jesus does something on the Sabbath, it ought to go ding, 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 ding in your brain because somebody's gonna be unhappy with him, aren't they? The Pharisees, these, these highly committed people, committed to God, committed to the law, who managed to really miss the point. Had got to, you know, the rules were the most important thing there possibly was, and they had reached the conclusion saying, well, listen, if, if you heal, somebody heals someone on the Sabbath, well, healing is work, and we're not supposed to do work on the Sabbath, so therefore, it is a sin to heal on the Sabbath. And to add insult to injury here, not only that, Jesus worked, he made clay. Seems crazy to us because we haven't grown up in that environment. But they did, and they were very serious about these things. So, it, it, it just, they throw the note in here. It was the Sabbath, okay, verse 15. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? And he said, he is the prophet? He doesn't necessarily know, but it seems to him like he must be someone special, right? He's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight. <laughs> Isn't this amazing? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't think this guy really was blind. This is all fake. This Jesus is just, you know, working this system. So, verse 15, or 18 again, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. <coughs> Excuse me. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son whom you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. Now, don't you see, his parents just threw him under the bus. <laughs> okay, yeah. So let's read on, see. His, verse 22, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. And when it says Jews here, it means these religious leaders. They feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone can confess that he, Jesus, was Christ or the Messiah, he'd be put out of the synagogue. 
Therefore, his parents said, uh, he's of age, ask him. Ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Now this is a problem for the Pharisees. They, gotta, you know, they, they, they are opposed to Jesus being who he says he is. Uh, they are opposed to having their way of doing things challenged. But this miracle has been done. Verse 26. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And, and <laughs> do you ever get tired of somebody asking you the same questions? I'm not saying this is right, but this man is starting to see things for what they are. No pun intended, see things. He's, he's, seeing, he's seeing the way this is going and what's really going on with these religious leaders. They'd never been concerned about him before. Verse 27, he answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? And I'm adding a word, hey, do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. You see what he's saying here? That's that issue. It never happens. Verse 33, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Man, he's getting the truth here, isn't he? <clears throat> they answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins. See the channel, right, because you were what? You were born blind, you know. You were born in sin. In fact, it's probably your fault. You're probably the one who sinned. Who are you to, to question us and challenge us? They answered and said, you were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. They threw him out. And this means out of the synagogue, this means he was excommunicated. And that was a big deal. Because the synagogue was the center of their religious life and the center of their community life. This is where even you, you went with your family and now he is cast out, no longer allowed to be there. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, now what, is, what does that imply? When he had found him. He went looking for him, that's right. When he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord? And, and here, Lord is being used like sir, that I may believe in him. Because had he seen Jesus before? He'd never seen this man. 
And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. It's me. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. He believed because of what he had done in healing him. And part of his belief came in this whole dialogue with the religious leaders and sorting through this and thinking about who Jesus must be, what he must be like, okay? Brings him to the point when he's talking to this one who healed him that he now believes he is the son of God and he worships him. He submits himself to him. Now, what I want to do with you this morning for the next few minutes here is um, look at this passage and, and we talked earlier about the fact that God has given us ways to change our lives. And um, I would say to you that the Great Commission here as we are teaching people to observe all the commands that he's given us, that we also are doing what? We are working on observing those commands. We are also learning. We are growing. <clears throat> Do you know what growth is? Growth is change in the right direction. You're changing how you think, changing how you respond, changing how you feel, changing what you do, changing the way you do. That's all growth, okay? And so we boil it down and talk about it. We do these three things in our lives. We surrender to the Lord. We grow to be like the Lord. We tell others about the Lord. And what I want to do with you is, is just talk back through this story a little bit and say, what do we learn about this? What do we learn about these things in this story today that might apply to us? And as we do this, what I want to encourage you is there's times when you say, I, I read my Bible and I don't know what to do or think about it or how I'm supposed to. This is always a great way to open up your Bible and start saying, what do I learn here about surrendering? What do I learn about growing? What do I learn about telling? It's a great way, okay? And so let's walk our way back through this. And each of these things we're going to see, have the, they, they will change our lives in positive ways. So let's talk about surrendering to the Lord first. Um, first thing I want you to, to uh, learn here is this, that we need, you need to submit your thinking and your feelings to a biblical worldview. To a biblical worldview. So we see here in the beginning that this man has been born blind, right? And that engenders all sorts of questions. People automatically ask what? So why does this happen? Somebody must have what? Sin, right? Somebody had to sin. Sounds a mess here. But really that was not a biblical worldview. And what they need to do and what we need to do is submit our uh, thinking and our feelings to a biblical worldview. Are there things that have happened in life that you've heard about or seen or experienced that are just really downright terrible? And you may have experienced things growing up in your life that are downright terrible. Horrific. Those things are all bad. And such as other people's lives we're looking at. And, and how do we think biblically about those things? What's going on here? And so we need to think that, that there are things happening all the time in our world that are not good. Okay? And, and let's think, how is that? Why is that? If we go back to the beginning of the Bible, into the book of Genesis... And we see that God puts Adam and Eve in charge of the world. He puts them in charge of the whole world and, and tells them what he wants them to do. Gives them one thing not to do. And we know the story, right? They disobey God. 
They sin against God by doing what he told them not to do. And as a result, they are affected. They are affected spiritually. Spiritually, death takes over, and now they need a savior, which God is gonna provide. But the whole world is affected. Do you remember that? He talks about what's gonna happen with the whole childbearing process and the pain and difficulties there. He talks about the world and how it works and, and how work is gonna be hard because things aren't going to work the way they were originally intended. Sin brought major troubles into our world. And, and that doesn't mean when you have a problem though it's because you sinned, I'm not saying that, no. The, the, the creation is cursed by sin now. That means things break. That means things wear out. That means that sometimes what ought to happen next doesn't happen next. That DNA thing, right? They're all of a sudden, boom. Something messes up, and we have a mistake in the genetics. All of this just happens. Now, I, you say, Walter, you're saying God makes mistakes? No, God doesn't make mistakes, but a sin-cursed world does. Okay, so let's think about this. So all these bad things that happen are the results of sin that's coming to the world and the sin that's in the hearts of people and what they do. Does God know about all this? Yes, he does. And somehow, some way, we need to conclude based on what we understand in the Bible. Is God a good God? Does God love us? Does he desire what's best for us? Well, why in the world does he allow all these things to happen? You see, that's, that's us, isn't it? And what we have to conclude is that somehow God knows that allowing things to go the way they do is what's best and does provide the greatest opportunity for him to be known and to be glorified. Now, can you get your head all the way around that? Maybe, can you get your feelings all the way around that? Probably not. I want you to know something, that God can intervene. And occasionally he does, and what do we call it when he intervenes and changes something in the physical world? A miracle. God can do that, and he will do that if that's what's needed to accomplish the very best for everybody. And we're thinking eternal here, not just today. If we're thinking just today, maybe something else would be better, wouldn't it? If we're thinking eternal, though, God sees and knows. So he can intervene, but I've got good news for you. God is always intervening. He is always intervening. Let me tell you how he intervenes in our world. He intervenes through his people. We live in a sin-cursed world. But if you have received Jesus as Savior, God lives within you, doesn't he? And when you reach out into this sin-cursed world and care, God is intervening in this world. Does that make sense to you? You see what I'm saying? And so the, the creation has been cursed by sin, and one day when, when we come down to the end, God is gonna redeem creation from sin. But in the meantime, he's given us a huge responsibility. We are the way that God intervenes in a sin-cursed world. That's a big responsibility, isn't it? But we have to settle in our hearts and minds 
a, a biblical worldview, not just about this issue, about everything. But what does the, the Bible teach about the way things really are? And let me just say something here. When someone wants to challenge you about evil in the world, how can there be a good God with all of this evil in the world? Well, what's your option? Well, I believe in random chance evolution. Okay, so when that child is kidnapped and tortured and sexually assaulted and murdered, the problem is is she just wasn't fit to survive. See what I'm saying? Our problem's hard because it's hard to get our feelings around these things. They have no answers. No answers. And we know God is a good God and he is work. And when I don't understand things, that's okay. He, he told me this was going to happen. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, he says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may what? Do them. Do all those things. And so if God hasn't shown us something, we don't need to know it. See, that's part of a biblical worldview, understanding it. There are things God knows that I don't know. There are things he understands that I don't understand. But he has shown me some things that I do understand, and I need to do those things. I need to live that way in this sin-cursed world. All right. Boy, I took way too long on that. Not really. I think that's the Lord wanted us to, to chew on that for a while. The second thing under surrendering to the Lord is this, that you need us to, uh, there are many blessings in your relationship with God that require your obedience. So if we look, what, what did Jesus do? Jesus made clay, put clay on his eyes in verse number, um, wait, turn the page back, but no. Verse seven, he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. What if he had not gone and washed? Now, we don't know, but, but could you imagine him going, nah, just doing this, right? Would he have been able to see? We don't know for sure, but my sense is no. Because it's when he goes and washes. When he goes and does what? What Jesus told him to do, then the change occurred. And I want you to say that there are many blessings that the word of God promises us. But many of them, maybe most of them, require our obedience. Our doing what God says. See, we want God's blessing on our terms, don't we? I want it my way. You know, I don't want to have to do this, that, or the other thing, but you, you have to. Um, you want a good relationship with your husband or your wife? Well, husbands, the Bible tells you to do what? To love your wife as Christ of the church. Yeah, but that's not the solution I'm looking for. I'm looking for her to change. Yeah, but God didn't tell you. That's not your business. Huh, you want to talk about secret things. Okay. <laughs> That's both ways. I didn't mean that one way or the other. But God does tell me as a husband, love your wife. Love your wife sacrificially. Love your wife the way I've loved the church. Okay, that's his terms. But here's the deal. If I love my wife the way Christ loved the church, really, and I give up on the other stuff, not my business, and I really love my wife that way, do you know what happens more often than not? 
she changes. And my perspective changes. And we can turn this around, right? Wives, respect your husbands. Uh, finances, you want your finances, you want to have your needs met? Then do with your money what God told you to do with your money. Give to God first. Acknowledge it belongs to him. Give away to him first. Go to the word and search out the principles of how you ought to do that. Uh, we know I want him to take care of my finances my way. No, his way. And we could just keep going and talking about this, but I'll stop. You get the point? When we do what God says, the way God says to do it, God does what he says. And he keeps his promises to us. We should know this. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When you want it on your own terms, you're not being humble. Third area when it comes to surrender to the Lord um, is we need to welcome rejection that comes because of our relationship with Jesus. If we look at this story, he is cast out. And, and it doesn't say here that he welcomed this. I mean, this was a bad thing. Uh, but, you know, he says they cast him out. But I'm challenging you because I'm thinking about what the rest of the word says. And here's the deal. When your relationship with Jesus, a genuine relationship with Jesus, brings rejection by somebody, it means you're getting it right. Now, we're not talking about being an idiot. We're not talking about being rude. We're not talking about being insensitive or harsh. We're not talking about that. We're talking about because of you have this genuine relationship with Jesus and you're living that out in your life and someone rejects you, it means you're getting it right. And Jesus has a promise for you. He said, blessed are, are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. What's the next word? Rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. It's a good thing. And so when you find yourself rejected because of your relationship with Jesus, that's a good thing. All right. Now, I've spent so much time on these, this first section, I'm going to move through the next two quickly, okay? And then, because I want to get down to focus something at the end here with you. So let's talk about we grow to be like the Lord. What can we learn this story? We want to look at it and say, what is the Lord like? What is he like? Well, first thing I see, we already talked about Jesus is, when it says, verse one, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. He saw him. And I gotta think this isn't just, oh, he saw him out of the corner of his eyes. He's going by. Jesus passing by through the town and he sees this man. And, and somehow or other he looks, I think this is why the disciples stop with him and then ask. Because Jesus has looked at this man and is focusing some attention on him, okay? If we're gonna be like the Lord, we're gonna be like the Lord, be alert to the needs of people around you. Be alert to their needs. Um, and this is a, a, a something I'm continuing to grow in and need to grow in. But if I'm gonna be more like the Lord, if you're gonna be more like the Lord, we need to be alert to the needs of the people around us, okay? All right. Then we get all the way to verse number 35. All this stuff has happened. He's been cast out. What did it say in verse 35? That Jesus heard, and when he had what? Found him. He went looking. He follows up with this man. And so let me say to you, follow up with those people who are in need. I mean, who, who are you seeing that's in need? And then who are you following up with? If I, if I were to ask you, hey, as you go out into life this week, you're going into work, into your home, your neighborhood, your whatever you're involved in, who are you 
planning to follow up on this week? See, if we're going to grow to be like the Lord, we need to have that mindset and that heart. And, and we want to connect with someone this week and say, how's that going for you? How are you doing? And, and by the way, these things open up opportunities to, to share Christ with people or to encourage Christians uh, so much so. And then this man has been cast out by the religious leaders. He has been thrown under the bus by his parents. I don't know if they were trying to be mean, but that's basically what happened. And now all these other people who are part of the singer, they, they're, they're pushing him away. But what did Jesus do? Accepted him. And so be like Jesus and give the gift of acceptance. We talked about this some last week, so I don't need to elaborate on it. But just know that accepting people in, you know, for what they are, where they're at, doesn't mean they should stay there. But man, accept them there. That is so powerful when it comes to being like the Lord. All right, and, and remember Jesus' words to the woman caught in adultery? Neither do I condemn you. How powerful. I accept you. Accept you. And then growing to be like the Lord. Uh, we've been talking actually a lot about this fall, so I don't need to say much. But first thing is this. Uh, go on, would you, a little farther? Thank you. I can't see my next point there. Thank you. Be prepared to tell the story of your relationship with Jesus. Be prepared. That means you need to think, how did I come to Christ? What was going on in my life? Who were the people there? What did they say to me? What did I do? How did I respond? How did I feel? What I, do you see I mean? Know your story. Be prepared to tell it. And then learn to recognize when there's an opportunity to tell the story. For this man, it was easy. They kept asking him, didn't they? What happened? What happened? What happened? But in your life, there are plenty of opportunities that come up. And so learn to recognize. This is, this is an opportunity for this, me to share something about what God has done for me. And then third thing, tell your story. Tell it. You know, we gotta get beyond this point where we thought about our story and, and we wanna, we're trying to be alert to the opportunities and the opportunities come up and we go, <laughs> and don't tell it. Let's be bold, let's be brave, trust God, tell your story. All right, I wanna end with this because this thing, what I'm gonna talk to you about now is something I think that will, has the potential to really, really bring significant change into your life. Back in verse number four. Let's look there. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. In other words, it's time now to do what God has given me to do because there is a time coming when I won't be able to do this. Live for Christ with a sense of urgency. Live for Christ with a sense of urgency. In other words, there are things today that the Lord will show me from his word and in circumstances of life and sometimes with this impression that his spirit gives me within that's consistent with, with his word. And When do I need to do that? Now. And I would say to you that most of us kind of live our lives and we have a thought or something comes up, yeah, yeah, well, I will get to that. And you can come to church every Sunday morning, week after week after week, and go, yeah, that's right, ooh, that's good. But if it never becomes an urgent thing to you, it will always be something 
you are going to get to. By the way, that's the, that's the recipe for a life of regret. Needs to be urgent now. Today is the only day I can do what I'm supposed to do today. Right now is the only time I can do what I'm supposed to do right now. Those opportunities are lost forever. But think about this. How would your life change if, if you, whenever, I mean, whenever you thought about something, they say, wait a minute, yeah, I think I ought to do this. I ought to say this. I ought to not say this. <laughs> I ought to, and then you just did it. What will God do? You have just walked with him. You have just stepped out in faith and trusted him. What will God do? What will happen in your life? I mean, if, if you're going to live with a sense of urgency, you say, okay, sense of urgency. Uh, let's just say, so today, that means I need to do something about this today. I need to think about this today. So what I'm going to do this afternoon, I'm just going to take a little bit of time. I'm going to open up the Bible, uh, maybe read this passage again or someplace else that you want to read and say, okay, God, do something in me. I need you to do that. And then say, all right, Lord, I need to think about this coming week. What do you want me to do? How do you want my days to plan? Okay, I think because this is, so, this is urgent, I have to put time for you to sit down quietly with you and your word and talk with you before I go out to see the rest of the day. I gotta do that. Maybe you wanna do that the night before. It doesn't matter, but the idea, I'm gonna do this. And then you're gonna make those plans. And God may change them. But it doesn't matter because it's urgent this is so important, I must do this. I must say, what is my day about? What is it that God wants in my day? Then as you go through the day, what does God want at this moment? In this situation? It is urgent that I know this. It is urgent that I act upon it. Because you understand, the time comes, and in some sense it comes every day, but there will come a time when you cannot do this anymore. Your life will come to an end. Jesus will come back. And I can't help but think the things that we will regret the most will be the things that God clearly showed us to do and we didn't get to it. I think we need to flip our, our lives upside down here. We're living it, yeah, I'll get to it. And we need to flip it, no, I have to get to it. Does that make sense? Let's go to the Lord and pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your power revealed in healing this man. Thank you for the story as we go through and the things we can learn from him and about him, what's going on. And I pray, Father, that we would take to heart these things and consider surrendering, growing, and telling. But I ask, Lord, as you put it in my heart, and I know my own struggle with this as I wrestled with it, Father, with you about what this might mean in my life. God, I want to live my life with a sense of urgency in serving you. And I pray, Father, you just not give us any peace about that until we say yes to you in it here today. And then bless these people. Father, I thank you for these people that they want to know you, they want to serve you, they, they want to be used by you. And I pray, Father, take these things to heart and they would be urgent to them as they leave here today to honor you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you. God bless you. Go do what God's...
telling you to do.